Welcome to Risk Roundup. Digital global age creates large amount of digital content, that is digital data. Without having effective ability to search digital data and have timely access to it, is like having a car but with no gas. Just having digital content has no value if it is not accessible in the right format at right time. The key is to have effective search engines. By having effective search engines is how individuals and entities across nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia, in short referred to as NGIOA, accesses the digital content either on an individual computer, intranet, or internet today. We all use various search engines on the internet. Now, when we talk about any individual entity, organization, or an enterprise, it is through such search engines that the internal resources seek the information they need from anywhere, in any format, from anywhere within their entity, in databases, document management systems, inside anywhere, any place, within their corporate boundaries. Now, getting the right information at the right time is the key to right digital intelligence. So in absence of effective tools and techniques, for any entity across NGIOA to have to go through large amounts of digital data, within its organizational boundaries across nations is a complex challenge. Now, while there are several search engines for the digital data and information that is published on internet, when it comes to any individual entity or enterprises, internal, intranet, across the geographical boundaries, effective search engine is still a complex challenge. This is more so when the nature of enterprise boundaries is now blurred in cyberspace, geospace, and space, in short, referred to as CGS. Moreover, there are reports that most enterprises still lack central data and information repository that covers their boundaries across CGS. Even the ones that have one are not very effective. Now, when enterprise data and data intelligence search is still a complex challenge, and when we don't have the ability to know whether the data and information that is found within the enterprise boundaries is authentic, it is a cause of concern. It is also a cause of concern because even today, different components of an entity or an enterprise has no knowledge or intelligence about the available data across its corporate boundaries. To discuss this further, I'm delighted to welcome Ronald Koffer Jr. Ronald is the founder and CEO at Eureka Software LLC based in the United States. Welcome, Ronald. We are delighted to have you on this Roundup. Thank you, Jishu. It's nice to be here. Wonderful, Ronald. So, it is said that traditional intelligence and analytical models are being disrupted. The rise of data search engines, data discovery, access to multi-structured data, data preparation tools, and smart capabilities are expected to even further democratize access to data analytics and simultaneously stress the need for new model of data intelligence governance across nations. Now, when it comes to data intelligence within and across NGIOA and CGS, what is the nature of changes that we will see in the coming years? Well, you know, as, uh, as the proliferation of data growth grows, and a recent Poneman study notes that it's uh, um, uh, anywhere from 60 to 80% growth per year, um, it's challenging almost any organization of, uh, of a decent size. Um, the, Hard drives are bigger, they're cheaper, uh, people uh, lack um, um, governance policies to delete old data or stale data, um, and they want access to it. On my own computer, I probably have 15 years worth of information from various companies and organizations I've been involved with over the years. So um, finding data uh, and understanding data uh, is, a, is a big issue, and uh, our firm specifically focuses on the uncovering or the illumination of unstructured or semi-structured information. Now, that's a very good point. There is such a need for that. Now, the amount of data generated today is enormous. And with Internet of Things, IoT is coming our way. A lot more data will be generated in the coming years within and across corporate boundaries of NGIO entities. Now, what technology and processes are available to gather digital data intelligence at this point? Well, you know, in the beginning, um, um, you know, just think of the model of the internet. Uh, it was a real natural out, uh, outgrowth of, of, of having access to so much data to create search engines. So InfoSeq and Lycos and eventually Google um, commanded uh, the technology to search the entire internet based on specific keywords or even sometimes Boolean uh, um, statements. Um, the, uh, the notion of looking inside an organization in that same way 
um, really didn't come into uh, um, data management thought leaders ideas until um, appliances like Google Appliance showed up. So the notion with Google Appliance was to take the same technology that's used on the internet and point it inside. There's a number of flaws and fallacies. It's a, it's a decent technology and it originally worked fine, but as organizations grow, particularly across boundaries, as the amount of information that needs to be indexed grows, um, those, those original um, uh, technologies for looking for data internal to an organization just haven't, have not kept pace with the growth of data and the, and the requirements of users to actually find the data that they want. Right, right. No, that is very true. I mean, we see a lot of advances, technological advances for the internet, you know, technologies that are shaping up. But you are absolutely right about that, that within an, you know, corporate boundaries, we haven't seen much progress and advancement. Now, there's also concern that different units or components of an enterprise generate a lot of digital data. Data is also created in geospace and then, you know, we digitize it and store it, you know, within our corporate boundaries. Even within an enterprise's boundary, data governance is still done in silo based on the geographical locations of enterprise units. Now, this results in duplication of efforts, ignore data or intellectual property or loss of data because you know the, now corporations are not just in one place you know they're not just like you know they would be only in united states or only within a state of united states they could be anywhere in the world and if we don't have a proper you know data governance structure or framework then there is so much duplication of effort, efforts across different components of you know entities or enterprises so much data is there but we don't know that that data exists and so much intellectual properties that we don't know that it exists it either gets lost, destroyed, or you know, stolen. And there is no way of knowing this. So, how can enterprises overcome these challenges? Well, um, you know, the 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 data that organizations have, uh, possess, create, modify, send inside and outside the organization really represents the um, you know what's valuable about that organization. And then it could be intellectual property, it could be customer lists, it could be. Uh, um, um, information about markets or uh, competitors um, and um, when it's created on, di uh, on computer endpoints laptops computers or even uh, shared uh, you know on files uh, file shares uh, it, 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 it represents um, unknown dark data it, so they don't they know that they have it they just don't know where it is who has access to it um, how it should be protected or watched or how it should be governed from an information governance perspective. So it really is becoming quite a challenge for organizations to get to know their data. Uh, and, you know, a number of, a number of platforms and technologies have, have arisen in the past 10 to 15 years to kind of get your arms around it. So uh, HP control, uh, HP stored IQ, um, IBM stored IQ. Um, HP Control Point and Autonomy, um, Veronis, there's a, you know, now Data Gravity. There's a number of technology platforms that companies and organizations can buy and move their important data into it so that they can index it, uh, analyze it, determine um, what, what data should be classified by what type of bucket so that they can do a better job of, of managing it. Yes, uh, yes but, go ahead. But the, uh, but the challenge is getting that data to those platforms and, un and knowing originally what data is important and what data is not important. So that that is uh, brought up the opportunity that Eureka Software is, is, uh, is solving. Um, and it's opening up a new market that really hasn't existed prior to this. Um, Gartner has done a report for the last two years. We, we believe they'll come up with a magic quadrant report this uh, this summer, and it's uh, it's gonna it's gonna be defined as file analysis software, the file analysis market, and that's truly where we think we will um, most likely be put into. Uh, firms like us will most likely be put into by Gartner. No, the, you made some very important points that you know who gets access to that data. That is very important to define and to be able to have a proper structure around it, proper tools that can help. That is very important and also that which data is important. That is also very important. So you, I believe you are working with uh, also uh, an initiative that would help solve all these uh, challenges. So the Eureka software platform or the framework that you are developing, can you share some uh, lives on you know, how that would help overcome the current challenges that we are facing? 
Sure. Um, so just like uh, internet search engines, you know, the basic notion of how they work is that they build an index of all the data on the internet. And um, it's stored in multiple places, but you can start typing into an interface and get results of what you're looking for anywhere else in the universe, the internet. Um, that, that type of technology needs to be pointed internal to organizations, um, but in a different, very simple way, you know, at the heart of it, but um, it's still index technology. So as a Google appliance can be pointed internally, unfortunately, it's indexed, it's centralized, and it's a snapshot in time. Uh, you have to point it at the data stores that you want to be indexed. Um, once it, that index is in there, you, you, it, it's, it's, it's a frozen picture of time unless you go ahead and do an update. Um, it doesn't keep up with every file within an organization. So we just took that idea of, of creating indexes and we pointed it at all the individual computers in an organization. So our application service gets installed on any kind of endpoint, laptop, desktop, file shares, um, in any kind of operating system. And it takes a few hours to index every text-based object on that local computer and a metadata index of every artifact on that operating system. And from a central command council, you can query your endpoints, whether it's one or 100,000 at exactly the same time, and get results back immediately using any kind of advanced search algorithm, whether it's keywords or date ranges or file types or uh, Boolean uh, expressions, uh, we, will, um, we will be adding artificial or man, uh, machine learning intelligence onto our platform later on this year uh, and um, migrating our, uh, our patents onto mobile devices in the future as well. So from, uh -huh. from, a, from an information management perspective, it allows you insight into the Dart data that lives on all your endpoints, that you have no idea what it contains or how old it is or who has access to it or how sensitive it is. Uh, and so it has a, a number of different workflows, um, some built in, some that are customized to it, that allow organizations greater insight into um, the files that are in their computers, whether it's for cyber uh, threat uh, um, uh, use cases or whether it's insider threat use cases or whether it's static data classification or governance risk and compliance purposes. It was originally invented to find evidence for lawsuits, but it can be also used for uh, by governments for Freedom of Information Request Act. So it has multiple multiple use cases, um, and it's a very very powerful technology with a very simple idea: just have a live index on all your endpoints of everything that's on there, and be able to search it from a central location. No, it definitely seems so. At what stage you are in this, you know, development of this framework? The software that you are developing is it commercially available at this point? Yes, it is. We released our uh, commercially um, installable uh, version last December, and we're currently uh, talking to over thirty organizations and various levels of installs. <clears throat> we actually have five customers install it. We have about fifteen that we're negotiating with and doing uh, proof of concepts with. So it's just, we're just rolling it out now. And it is, a, it is, a, it is, in, a, it is in a production, uh, commercially available manner, but we have uh, um, funding and uh, roadmap plans for the next few years of development to add more functionality and actual workflow use cases for customers. Because almost every customer we've ever showed it to one of their first reactions, oh, I can think of 10,000 use cases for your software. So <laughs> as a startup software company, you can't, you can't, you can't build 10,000 uh, in the first iteration, but we'll, we'll get there as fast as we can. That is, that is good. So you are getting very positive feedback from your clients. Oh, extremely, yeah, extremely positive. You know, our, 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 uh, our, our application, uh, once, once installed, uh, usually on a typical laptop, make take four to eight hours, depending on how much text material is on there. Um, but the moment it's installed, it looks across your computer and it reports back any files that may have uh, uh, social security numbers in them or credit card numbers. Uh, we've preloaded it with uh, thousands of known malware artifacts that might not necessarily be in an antivirus uh, solution yet that um, uh, can be searched and reported immediately. So the moment you open up the Command Council upon install of the uh, of the application services, it will inform you of a, what we call a risk profile of computers uh, uh, in your environment that and the files that are on them that pose a, a fairly um, heavy risk to the organization just out of the box. So that is very useful if the software is able to tell you which files are important, which data is important, 
and where it's located that has this kind of sensitive you know data on it like social security number and all that that is a very useful functionality that any organization would want to have any government any you know academia any university or any corporation because they all have sensitive data and to be able to identify it quickly which files have that that's a very useful tool now you just mentioned about the malware and we know that there is a growing concern that malware files are also digital or an electronic file so how can search engines either on the internet or intranet distinguish between genuine data files and malware files is your uh, software platform that you are developing framework is it able to distinguish between the you know malwares and uh, genuine data files well um you know the, um, a virus a, a piece of malware is just another file. So it can be hashed. Um, it's got a file name, it's got a create data, there's metadata that surrounds that. A lot of modern and very sophisticated uh, viruses and malware are what's called polymorphic in nature. So once they get inside your environment, they can pivot and move somewhere else and change their name and, and put a space in their software code to allow them to have a different hash value. So it's really difficult to chase uh, these malware artifacts down. And, and you know, our software system is not an intrusion detection or an intrusion prevention system. Um, as all the news reports demonstrate, almost no matter how much money organizations invest in those perimeter systems, malware actors are still uh, going to get in. You're still going to get infected. Whether it's um, a slip from an employee that, that clicked on something that shouldn't, they shouldn't have clicked on, or whether it's a vendor that's in your ERP system that gets hacked and a lot and gains access into your environment, they're still going to get in. So what our system does is it allows our cybersecurity teams uh, who are examining the IDS, IPS uh, perimeter systems, are seeing irregular traffic coming from a file. They can playground that file, open it up, take the source code out, put it into our platform, and we can tell them, oh, yeah, there's 17 instances of files out there on these various computers that have a different hash value or, or they have a different name, but it's 99.9% .9 the same file. So uh, our system in the, in, the, in the realm of cybersecurity um, uh, is more like a, a remediation tool. It's more like a, um, uh, you know, a penicillin uh, to get rid of the threat actors as quick as possible and limit the damage that they can do. So that's how our platform is used in the, in the cyber threat. That, that, that is, uh, you know, really good information, and I'm glad to hear about that, that it does play a role in the cybersecurity field. Uh, space now enterprises are no longer in one geographical location we have been talking about that and it has become necessary to gather real-time data intelligence to the data generated and stored across enterprises geographical boundaries in cgs that means it could be in cyberspace geospace or you know space because data is generated everywhere you know now for any single you know enterprise if you talk about and they are uh, across you know their nation's geographical boundaries it could be in any nation any state anywhere so how can NTT across NGIOA identify relevant information and gather data intelligence from their digital endpoints on a global scale in real time in a digital global age? Does your software platform allows that capability yeah. irrespective of you know, where the enterprise is located? Yeah, yes, uh, we, uh, we designed it specifically for a multi-geographic organizations uh, and in the way that the software system work and the way that our patents are issued are going to be issued uh, uh, is relative to how our system talks. So there's really two components, that endpoint application service I spoke about and a central command council. So our platform can be installed on-premise within an organization. Uh, and many choose to do that so that data is not being stored anywhere else, or it can be spun up in a Google Cloud instance or an Azure instance or, um, or an AWS instance. And um, in our system, what happens is our application service on the endpoint, uh, it, it beacons home to the command council in the setup. So if, it's, uh, if our command council is in the cloud uh, and you've installed our application onto any of uh, your endpoints, if it's a mobile device and it's out you know, in Southeast Asia, uh, it talks to our command council. So no matter where you are in the world, um, the only thing that's necessary for our system work is an internet connection. So it's not dependent on the corporation's internal firewall, uh, VPN settings, and, and you know, as you know, most of global organizations will have different ones in different countries depending on uh, how they're set up from a network uh, architecture perspective. So ours is independent of that. 
I see. So you. It was designed for the uh, for the uh, for the um, North American market, uh, where um, the rules about data um, are really corporate friendly or enterprise friendly. Uh, as we migrate into, for example, the European market, um, we will have individual application installs, um, or actually rules for the application installs, based on the country that those um, the computers reside in. Because, as you know. Um, in, uh, in the European market and various uh, um, uh, different uh, uh, countries, the rules about separating corporate data from private data are very stringent. Not so in the United States right now, which is why we're released here, but uh, in our roadmap will be a rule setting so that um, our application service on the endpoint can define what's a private, what's a private communication versus what is um, an enterprise communication. So the, your platform is able to distinguish that, that this is a private communication and this is, you know, the business communication. So we need to separate those out because that is such a, you know, useful functionality to have because now the boundaries are blurring, you know, employees, you know, or contractors bring their, you know, personal cell phones and, you know, they download their, you know, business stuff on that. So the boundaries between personal, you know, data and the business data or, you know, government data, this is all blurring now. So you are telling me that your platform, the software platform that you are building, the Eureka software, that is able to distinguish between the private, you know, and business and government, you know, communication. Well, there's a number of ways to attack that use case. Uh, at the simplest level, organizations um, uh, that allow BYOD devices and that in countries that need to separate personal from uh, organizational communications generally do it in ways that set up or, or um, define within the computer itself where those communications live. So they might have a folder for your for your personal information and a folder for your corporate information, and we would index that. On our roadmap in the future, as I mentioned earlier, is to, is to overlay on top of our platform a machine learning or a predictive analysis tool so that we can tell by the content of the communication uh, what, uh, with some, you know, not 100% clarity, but with some predictable uh, clarity, what is private communication versus what is um, organizational communication. I see, I see. No, that, that, that is definitely, you know, good information. Now, there are reports that some automated software can identify criminal media accounts on social media and can help identify them and locate them. Are there, uh, does your software have the functionality that it can provide timely intelligence that there is a data destruction, you know, in process or data manipulation is in the, you know, going on or there is a theft in progress. Does your Eureka software platform have that, you know, ability? So there's two, uh, there's two distinctions that need to be made about the subject that you brought out, particularly in the social media stream. So uh, that's, that's what they call sentiment analysis in the industry. Um, and they're using machine learning to understand the sentiment of communications. Um, that is on our workflow to add into our, uh, our system as well. Um, and um, uh, it's a very, pretty powerful technology that's actually pretty accurate. Now, um, uh, inside of that is the, the actual physical, what people are doing in your organization. And yes, our platform today can reveal uh, insider threats relative to your information. And let's take a perfect example of Eric Snowden, who was a contractor for the NSA, who was allowed into all of the data stores and had you know top secret information. Um, what Eric Snowden did to exfiltrate that information is he scoured a bunch of you know servers and found data that he thought the world would like to know, and he started to put those into a zip file. And uh, over time, that zip file got moved to a USB device, and he walked up the door with it. So our platform would allow you to set rules and say, well, let me know anytime somebody has created a zip file over 50 gigabytes in size. Now, if you're in the marketing department and you're using moving files around the world to vendors, that wouldn't that would be a small file. But if you're, uh, you know, a PC technician or a server technician and you're saving uh, a zip file that's over 50 gigabytes in size, that might be an issue for a security person to to wonder about. Uh, on top of that. Our technology will be able to tell you, oh, by the way, 99% of the information in that 50 gigabyte file now, which might be 100 gigabytes, is classified top secret. So we, we not, not only can tell you what people are doing with files, whether it's whitelisted or blacklisted software, individual files, the size of them, but also the container, what, 
what's been determined to be the sensitive or risk level of the data that's in those uh, files itself. That, that is very interesting and that would be very useful for the security community if you know they have they are you know able to define parameters like that that is such a you know useful technology to have now there's also a growing call to fight cyber crime crimi cyber criminals as well as the cyber crime with intelligence that is digital intelligence and not force now how intelligent is our current approach to gathering digital intelligence on internet your platform that you are developing is is it more focused for intranet and the enterprises or is it also something that could be used on the internet to be able to have a you know smarter digital intelligence approach well one of the things that we're starting to examine is uh, um, the, the with our platform an organization has the ability to classify uh, documents in their environment based on the content of that document. Of course, you wouldn't treat the menu from the restaurant down the street as the, the same way you uh, treat um, a, a patent application that you're communicating back and forth with your law firm. Two, I mean, they're, they're digital files, but they have quite a bit of different meaning and value to the organization. So you can't protect what you don't know and you can't protect effectively what's valuable versus what's not valuable unless you have full visual or visible insight into the what's the content of the data is so uh, one of the ways to um and that we're working on it's not in the platform yet but one of the experiments we're doing uh research and development wise is to how do you effectively use blockchain technology with the contents of your files on your environment so that if they ever do leave your environment and they're uh, they're considered high value or intellectual property types of files that they, they're encrypted uh, and uh, submitted to a blockchain system. So that's kind of the evolution where um, the digital file information security is moving. And we believe with a combination of the Eureka software platform and blockchain technology, you can begin to build a fairly um, bulletproof uh, system that's, that, that, that thwarts cyber uh, cyber threat actors. Yes, yes, no, that is, that is very true. Now, to have a digital footprint of sensitive and confidential data is a vital necessity for data security, irrespective of whether it is, you know, within anybody's individual computer or intranet or enterprise intranet or, you know, government intranet, any organization intranet or internet. Now, while for the data that is in the public domain, it is said that mass data collectors, they do have a potential to have in-depth assessment into anyone's digital footprint on the internet. Mm -hmm. However, such programs don't have the resources to pursue the digital footprint of everyone on the internet. It just would, you know, cost too much. It would require too many human resources to, you know, have, uh, to have, to be able to have the ability to, you know, have, uh, uh, spying on them or, or uh, keeping an eye on them. So right. do we have such programs for entities or enterprises with their CGS internet boundaries where you can keep an eye on the digital footprint of each and every employee or each and every, you know, uh, contractor that is within the organization to be able to manage the security risk that comes from, you know, employees or you know contractors that are stealing or manipulating data you know with full access and we there is no way to know that what is being you know changed or manipulated or uh, stolen or destroyed well the the vision that we have uh, and the way that we've architected our software solution is with, an, with what's known as an api first mentality uh, knowing full well that there's lots of systems lots of solutions and lots of problems relative to data security and insiders and uh, migration of data in and uh, ingress and egress out of enterprises. Um, we wanted to focus on what we do best and allow other vendors to connect to our platform for their specific purposes. So it's really a versatile um, built engine that um, what we do is based on the contents of files, we can classify that in a schema any way that the organization wants to define. Uh, and that allows our resources to actually uh, perform services for customers. So let's, at the very simple level, you might have top secret information, you might have confidential information, you might have private public, and you might have public public information, just four levels of classification. 
Well, if you run our engine across all your files, you can tag those files based on that criteria. So when that number one file, let's tag number one for top secret, uh, gets um, uh, sent out of the enterprise at any level, your IDS and IPS systems can pick up that information from our tag and start to record it. Now, of course, you can't watch every bit and bite. A lot of these systems like Calendar and FireEye, they're getting fairly sophisticated, and they can start to collect the data that we've embedded into the files to look at patterns over time. And if somebody like, back to the Snowden uh, uh, example, was trying to move a terabyte zip file off of a network through that system, um, the system would have warned the cyber investigator, hey, something's going on here. Somebody's exfiltrating a bunch of top secret information. Now, it may be perfectly reasonable. That person may be working on an M&A deal where they need to share a lot of data, uh, but it could be an insider threat. But at least it gives the organization a heads up and a warning that something is happening, data is being migrated, and you know to look into it a little bit further. Yes, yes, definitely. No, I, I hear you on that. No, that would be such a useful tool to have that, you know, if somebody is trying to download or, you know, take it on a zip file, you know, then the system would warn you. So that, that is definitely going to be a very useful functionality, you know, when organizations start using that. Now, it also seems that some governments are seeking software that can mine social media to predict everything from future terrorist attacks to foreign uprisings. Now, are entities or enterprises uh, across nations eager to have similar software for their data intelligence and security needs? Like, for example, you know, each and every employee or contractor, everyone, you know, uses social media and they do it also while they are at work. So there is also a possibility for getting not only malwares, but also some other kind of security threats by you know having the connection connectivity between the social media and the employees or contractors so are how would uh, or most organizations i think allow employees and contractors access to social media only some they don't allow that but is there any tool or technology available that allows entities to predict data breaches based on employee usage of social media and internet well, there's a number of um, solutions that have come up in the marketplace in the last few years that do crawl and monitor social media usage based on predefined uh, rules or content that organizations have have uh, might be interested in seeing. So they're looking uh, specifically at what's known as dark web websites that um, people who uh, have stolen information can anonymously put it up there and sell it. And so it searches those websites for content that might be uh, you know, owned by a specific organization and then notify that company. That's not a space that we decide to play in because there's a few, there's a few companies out there um, that not only monitor the dark web for uh, stolen content, but also look at social media posts uh, by individuals based on certain rules. Um, uh, most of those are fairly modern tools, and that data could be put into the Eureka platform, uh, but that's not an area that we've uh, focused on. Uh, but one that we're looking to focus on is, is a solution for that, um, back to my previous example, and by using blockchain technology. So in the, in, in the, in the blockchain, you know, where Bitcoin comes from, in the blockchain, you could, uh, you could lock and encrypt all your digital files the moment they leave your environment, and only people with the public key, a private key, can get into see those files, and then it's reported transparently through that blockchain platform. We really believe in the next one to five years, that is going to become a predominant use uh, in the governance uh, risk and compliance and file management, data loss prevention uh, arenas, because it's, uh, it's, it's, it's getting out of control relative uh, to cyber threats and, uh, and the loss of data. And it's, it'll be a solution whose time has come finally, we believe. Yes, 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 no, absolutely, I agree there. Now, data authenticity is also an emerging issue within and across, you know, any entity or any enterprise or organization's NGIOA boundaries. This is a challenge and matters significantly in digital intelligence gathering, either through internet or intranet. 
how to know if the data obtained by such protocols in intranet or internet is authentic for the digital intelligence efforts because we have all the data but how do we know that that's real and what is real and what is not because data manipulation is happening you know and that's what we really know in so many reports that there is a very you know structured effort going on on a large scale to manipulate the data to steal the data mm -hmm. so how to know that what we have access to is real and that it's not you know uh, manipulated data well again that's um, that is uh, the more customers we talk to the more we realize that it's going to become the biggest problem with an organization very soon uh, and um, Again, that's why our team is so hard, uh, so hard at work investigating how we might use blockchain. Because blockchain, blockchain uh, uh, thesis is that uh, you know who has received that, you know who has altered it, and it's com you know it's completely t transparent to that blockchain. So um, it'll be the only way that we can think of going forward, where companies and organizations can actually secure. Uh, um, um, transmit and verify that their information uh, is theirs and only this limited amount of people have authorized access to it and here's the changes they made to it uh, and uh, is that relevant to their business operating model. So um, it's it's uh, it's going to be an important part of our course the next one to two years. Yes, yes, yes. Now there's also another you know emerging challenge because of the cloud. The development of third-party cloud storage technology is has assisted cyber criminals uh, as large batches of data are now so often stored within one cloud. I mean, you know, any single enterprise would decide that, okay, let's put all our, you know, digital data into a cloud. Now, are enterprises moving towards storing all the digital data in one place? Because that will create so many secure, not only security challenges, because the hackers will just have to, you know, hack one place and they will have access to all kinds of information. They don't have to, you know, go through uh, many different sources to gather the data. So in that situation, how would the digital intelligence be, you know, effectively secure? Would your platform have some kind of ability to identify the digital endpoints that would let them know that uh, this, you know, kind of uh, data security threats are possible or it's, you know, ongoing within the cloud? It's a, it, <clears throat> excuse me, it is a major concern with the organization. Of course, uh, we know by public company reports that AWS and Google Azure, um, um, I mean, Google and Azure, um, they are getting nice adoption rates on their cloud environment. And it makes sense for a lot of purposes. I mean, within an organization, the cost to uh, buy equipment and manage data centers and secure them is rising as data growth rises. So it makes business sense to migrate your data into a cloud environment and pay a monthly fee and have somebody else manage those headaches, whether it's power consumption or air conditioning or hard drives or cybersecurity protection. Um, one of the things that we're seeing in marketplaces uh, is a rather timid approach to migrating all data uh, within an organization. If you think about data, and I'm an information uh, uh, governance professional, I know I got lots of problems. Uh, you know, I may think all my important data is in my file shares, but I know a lot of my employees have that same data on their computers, and I know I have a data headache. Well, I'm going to be hesitant to take my data headache and make an entire new copy of it up in a cloud environment. So we think the adoption of cloud uh, storage and cloud management is actually being hindered by the fact that uh, organizations can't define what's important and what's not. And Box would be a good example. Box is a great place for data if you're sharing in work groups. But the wholesale migration of corporate data into cloud environments is not really there yet, and for the reason I stated. So what our platform is, it allows organizations to use very powerful suite criteria to determine what data should be used in the cloud and what should. The mere fact that uh, we have a file share and we've got data that's 10 years old or older, well, that's one slice of the pie that we could eliminate immediately. Just get rid of all data that's over that seven years old and has been classified as some kind of insurance information we shouldn't say for 40 say for 40 years for example so um, the ability to understand your data your unstructured and semi-structured data in order to migrate to the cloud is a huge use case for us going forward 
And uh, we're at work with three different companies right now trying to define um, those search parameters so that they can effectively move that data into the cloud. That, that is very interesting, and that would be very useful ability to help organizations or entities or enterprises to di differentiate which data they should, you know, uh, migrate to cloud and which they should not, and you know how they should structure it. That's a very useful functionality, I believe. You know, and every organization will benefit from that. Now, there's also uh, an emerging, you know, role that botnets play. Now, when it comes to digital data, how are botnets playing a role? in gathering, storing, and identifying, and searching digital intelligence from your perspective? And do you use botnets in your uh, uh, platform or framework that you are developing? Well, um, and I think the definition of botnets is a little um, loose. So, um, you know, our, our, our technology is an application that gets installed on the local machine, um, no matter what the, um, what the operating system is. And it simply spiders all the contents. Uh, you want to call it a botnet, you might call it an agent. Um, but it's crawling, as botnets would do, uh, and it's defining uh, not only the content of text-based information, but the metadata every artifact in the file system. So uh, you can use search parameters and define what's important and what's not important, uh, not only based on the metadata, but also based on the content. So I don't mean we've never really characterized it as a botnet. Um, but it certainly performs the functions when you use that word that you think that uh, botnet's going to be. Yes, I hear you on that. It is a loose term. You're absolutely right. Now, let's talk about, you know, broadly about what role software industry can play, especially the software developers like, you know, your organization, which is trying to develop this, you know, Eureka software platform uh, framework that would help each and every you know enterprise across nations across industries and probably you know hopefully academia also and governments also to structure you know that to bring a structure to the data files and to help them secure it but what role do you think overall software industry can play in helping prevent cyber crimes or cyber breaches especially from data intelligence perspective because we already talked about data manipulation data theft data you know some kind of a deletion, you know, so what can overall each and every, you know, entity working uh, in the software industry can, how can they help, you know, manage the cybersecurity risk? It depends on how you're going to, you know, it's, it depends on how you're going to classify software. But if we just took uh, data loss prevention, information governance, uh, uh, risk and compliance, uh, electronic data discovery. Um, uh, with, for the software tools that manage or manipulate or store digital files, um, there could be a, come a common uh, a common understanding of a data content at, at a high level. You know. All organizations are uniquely different, even if they're in the same industries. They're kind of like snowflakes, no two are alike. So when we begin to talk about defining schemas for our end, end, end user customers, um, no, no, no two of them would ever have the same schema unless you kept them very high. So there's almost like a meta schema that I described earlier, top secret, confidential, um, private public, and then public public. But inside there, there could be thousands of layers of information schema definitions, right? And um, that's where you would get lost with any other, you know, common uh, software vendor. Um, um, but we believe in the roles of information governance and from information governance professionals, a standard-wide, uh, uh, um, a standard uh, that can be used and deployed across any company from uh, any industry uh, should be looked at hard, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll make a comparison to the electronic data discovery industry. Um, you know, some years ago, 10 or 15 years ago, they actually created a overarching information governance model uh, called the EDRM, the Electronic Data Reference Manual. Um, and it does go a long way to standardizing how that industry software vendors speak to their customers and what role in that model that they play in, whether it's all of it or just in individual segments. And it, it's caused that whole industry to speak from the same perspective and the same drumbeat. I believe in the information governance world, they're starting to establish those same type of models so that no matter what software uh, no matter what kind of company, in any kind of jurisdiction, you have a common syntax and language about how you're storing and managing 
um, uh, information. And it is relative to the electronic data discovery industry, but it's almost its own, you know, it's, well, it is its own um, segment in itself. And um, we, uh, we welcome the types, that type of model development from information governance professionals. Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, for the benefit of our global viewers and listeners, would you mind sharing details about your initiative on digital intelligence, that is Eureka software, you know, framework that you are developing, and what other initiatives are, you know, in uh, work, and uh, where you see this overall, you know, trend going for data intelligence, enterprise data intelligence especially, and how it's going to benefit the global security community, if you, you know, don't mind. No, sure. So, um, you know, we, um, we invented our technology originally to overcome the burgeoning explosion of information in the electronic data discovery industry. So, um, you know, when organizations uh, in the U.S. and mostly around the world get sued, they go through this process of discovery where if I'm suing you and you're suing me, we have to exchange what each other knows about each other. Um, and there's very strict rules and, and regulations about uh, what that is and how it's going to be searched and turned over and reviewed. Um, and um, when we started that in the business, our average uh, collection sizes were 25 or 30 gigabytes. And then, you know, 10 years, they grew to 200 250 gigabytes. And it's not uncommon now to see a collection in a, in a lawsuit that's two terabytes or four terabytes. And um, the laws of physics, uh, in, in order to turn that information around for attorneys, is, is just not possible anymore. So... Um, we approached our innovation from that problem, and it just so happens that it was also valuable in many, many other markets. So, um, you know, the notion of, uh, of indexing all of your data on your endpoint computers, whether it's a file share, a laptop, desktop, and eventually mobile devices, um, and having real-time access to that data uncovered lots of other use cases that, quite frankly, we didn't even envision originally. So uh, the problem with organizations is that data that sits on their file shares and their endpoints and their, uh, uh, it's, it's invisible to them. And, you know, anybody who's got a, a, a laptop computer can tell you how frustrating it is to find a file that you know is there that you made five years ago. So it's, it was a challenge. And it's not going away. It's only going to get bigger and harder and more expensive. So our technology lives on your endpoint computers. Um, and every day it updates. So I can tell you a file's been deleted, it's been modified, or a new one's been added. Um, and it gives me real-time access to all that information in an instant. So the larger your organization is, the faster our platform scales. And it's, it, it doesn't matter if you're searching 10 computers or 100,000 computers, the results come back to you in, in the same amount of time. So, and it's infinitely scalable because the platform is completely distributed. So you have 100,000 computers, I have 1,000, you know, 100,000 applications out there uh, waiting to give me reports. So the, so the notion is that you can understand your dark data. Uh, if you understand it, you know what's in it, you know where it's at, you can protect it better. You can govern it better. You can manage it better. Um, you can delete it. You can modify it. You can encrypt it. You can classify it. You can do uh, things that you always should have been able to do with your data but nobody ever thought of it. When computer systems were invented, and even when Google was invented, nobody thought that you, you know, this laptop I'm talking to you right now is a one terabyte hard drive, and there's 400 gigabytes of information on it. Now, a lot of that stuff is photos and videos, but a lot of it's very personal, and it's very confidential to our organization, and I wouldn't want to have anybody to have it. So um, it, it represents risk to organizations. And what our platform does is allow organizations to reduce their risk by knowing what their digital information contains and who has access to it. Now that is that is very very useful information, and uh, from what I'm hearing, I'm sure that the global community, each and every entity, each and every enterprise, each and every organization across NDIA would benefit from this, you know, platform that you are developing, the framework that you are developing, because it would help them put the structure on their data. It will help them identify, you know, which data is important, which data is not important, how to, you know, store it effectively, how to secure it, and how to, you know, prevent the cybersecurity risk that, you know, each and every one of us, each and every entity across NGIO faces. So I think uh, you are definitely, you know, your initiative is very promising and it has potential. So 
uh, I, I wish you the very best and I hope that you know you are able to help bring uh, the structure in the data that each and every enterprise needs and uh, you can help them uh, with a smarter you know digital intelligence and that in return you know by doing all these things you will be able to help manage cybersecurity risks that each and every one of us and each and every entity faces you know in this very complex digital global age so uh, thank you so much uh, Ron for sharing your uh, valuable time with us and you know uh, giving us an update about your initiative you software and you know where you are going and how what its benefits are what functionalities are and what we'll be able to achieve with that so thank you so much for that thanks for having me appreciate it wonderful Ron so the challenges and complexities of evolving data security threats has crossed the barriers of uh, space, space ideology and politics demanding a very constructive collaborative effort of all stakeholders across NGIOAI that means nations its government industries organizations academia and individuals now, when the changing nature of threats are bringing new sets of challenges and complexities, collective brainstorming is a necessity and not an option to have an objective evaluation of what is a threat and how can it be secured, like what we are doing right now with uh, Ron in how we are trying to identify how to manage the in digital intelligence security risk that each and every enterprise or entity you know, faces across nations. Cybersecurity and cyber intelligence requires an integrated approach with a common language. While appropriate hardware and software is a fundamental necessity, establishing effective cybersecurity framework, cyber intelligence framework, integrated and GIY approach, and structured processes are even more important. Risk Group Cybersecurity Risk Research Center and Strategic Security Risk Research Center are created for this very reason to identify, evaluate, and manage the risk facing and GIOA in CGS, that means nations, its government, industries, organizations, academia, in cyberspace, geospace, and space. And we can collectively discuss, debate, and define necessary frameworks, structural processes, tools, and technologies to manage the security risk of not only the digital global age, but also of the coming technological superconversions. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace work together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, Risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict and it's not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security, so if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the Risk Roundups, to watch the Risk Roundup videos or to hear the Risk Roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupalacy.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree Pandya, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.